righty. Happy Friday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. I want to welcome to the program Pat Harring, uh, Harrigan. Rather, He is running for Congress. Pat Harrigan, the website is Harrigan for Congress, and I would spell it, although I almost want to sing it. You know there's a song about your name, uh, Pat, right? You know that? It's a good one, Pete. <laughs> it's one of those that once it gets in your head, I've been singing it now all morning. As soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I read the name, <laughs> yeah, I blame my parents for making me watch the Yankee Doodle Dandy uh, movie as a kid. So, uh, welcome. Uh, you're running for uh, uh, you're running for Congress, right? This is the the newly created 14th district, um, and you, you know, I mean, it's going to be tough. You're running against Baby Jesus. You know that, right? <laughs> That's what I've heard. <laughs> so his opponent is the uh, Democratic state lawmaker. Uh, Jeff Jackson. Um, but so tell us a little bit about you uh, that for folks who may not uh, know about you and your your history and your and why you're running. Yeah, Pete. So look, I'm running because I truly love this country, but I am very concerned for the future of this country. And I'm a West Point grad. I'm a nuclear engineer. Uh, I'm a former commander in the special forces popped out. My wife and I started a business in our little double-wide trailer outside of Fayetteville when we were stationed at Fort Bragg, and now we've got about 120,000 square foot manufacturing facility on 80 acres up in western North Carolina. And I kind of got politically involved in politics, or I should say switched on, when Afghanistan went downhill uh, back in August of 2021. I just really could not reconcile how we had a chief executive that could bookend his political career on one end with the catastrophic withdrawal out of Vietnam and then allow almost the exact same thing to happen in Afghanistan uh, just over a year ago. And I realized that we truly have failed leaders who are leading us down to the, the road of failed outcomes in this country. And unfortunately, it's not just limited to Afghanistan. If you look at the state of our economy and inflation, the situation at our southern border, the consequence of our lack of energy independence, crime, education, China, the list goes on and on and on. We have real problems in this country that need serious solutions. So what can one member of Congress do to to try to combat that? You're, one, you're only, you know, one of 435 members. Yeah, that's a, a very fair question. I think there's no pulling the wool over anybody's eyes that one junior member of Congress is, is going to be able to shake the world. But how do you eat an elephant? The answer is one bite at a time. And I think that very first bite needs to be that we must divorce Congress from its spending addiction. We have to balance a budget again. And if we can get back to a point in this country where we start treating the dollar with respect, the dollar will in turn start to treat us with respect as well. But you I mean, even the Republican Party leadership doesn't doesn't uh, do that. Right? I mean, they had right Republican Party leadership uh, was in control and. Uh, they they had the opportunity to get back to sort of normal order uh, for the budget process, and they didn't do that. So why would we expect that to change? Which I think disappointed a lot of people. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know, Pete, if you've noticed, there's a whole lot of former special operators that are running for Congress this particular election cycle across the country. And quite frankly, it's because we believe that things have to change. We have leaders on both sides of the aisle that have failed us in recent past. Our leaders have been on vacation for a long time. And look, we're just wired a little bit differently. We're going to do things differently. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, let me ask, I, I asked this of uh, people running for federal office, particularly because inflation is so bad. What do you think is the cause for inflation? Well, I think there's no, um, you know, there's, there's absolutely no question that the endless government spending that happened throughout the pandemic and at the end of the pandemic uh, is, the re- is the cause, the main cause of the core inflation that we see today. When we simply print money, and spend money that we don't have, we inflate the dollar. It's just that simple. There's so much liquidity out there in the market. And and as everybody knows, we're raising interest rates right now. We're in the process of quantitative tightening. That's bringing that money supply back in, getting it back out of the market to try to tame this uh, inflation down. But the root cause is just endless government spending, no question about it. Um, so definitely not an MMT or I assume, um, so, (laughs) so, uh, also energy prices. Uh, I read an analysis today that said, look, you know, this isn't going to get any better. Um, as long as you've got the spending levels where they are and you've got, uh, the war on energy as it is. Um, and so if you, and, and that's, that's on the executive side, right? What, what does, what, what role can Congress play in trying to get energy production ramped up? You know, I think leaders at all levels can play a productive role in just leading by example. I I said earlier I'm a nuclear engineer. I'm a huge fan of nuclear power. And I'll tell you, all of us out here in Charlotte are going to get to breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief this winter as energy prices spike around the world and to some extent across this country because we derive 75% of our power uh, here in Charlotte from nuclear and hydroelectric. I mean, we have so much energy excess that during non-peak hours, a lot of people don't know this, we're actually pumping water from Lake Wiley back up to Lake Hickory and allowing it to run down again, creating more hydroelectric power. We are truly blessed because we have a very smart energy approach to energy production in this area of the country. And we have to make sure that we're taking an all of the above approach to our national energy strategy. And, And look, I'm not all about energy independence. I want energy dominance. I want so much energy in this country. I want to ramp up our productive capacity so much that we don't even think for one second that we're going to be relying upon our adversaries for our energy needs. Yeah, you see a lot of foreign countries uh, in Europe uh, specifically that are kind of coming around to realize, like, even if they try to start building nuclear reactors now, it's, it's already too late. Uh, at yeah, least I just for the had short a conversation term. this week with some guys that are pretty pretty big in the lumber industry, and they're getting ready to send wood to Europe to burn for energy wow. this winter. That's amazing. We're going back to the Middle Ages, right? right. And what is that? And what what's the carbon footprint on that? Um, it's just it, you yeah. know. It's it's funny when people need heat, the the arguments of the carbon footprint go away, and uh, the only question people have is how many BTUs can I get? Right. Um, all right, so I got to ask you also about this story. So Jeff Jackson, baby Jesus, he is uh, he's uh, saying that you uh, you don't live where you uh, have registered to vote and did vote, right? You you registered to vote in Charlotte uh, in Mecklenburg County, and uh, and the, and you voted in the last election, but you don't actually live here. Yeah, that that is a bogus distraction from a radical leftist lawyer who is way closer in the polls than he wants to be, and quite frankly. He's trying to do anything possible that he can to stir up some sort of controversy that distracts people from the disastrous inflation-causing policies that he supports. And what I would say and what I have said back to Jeff 
is, look, if having an apartment here in Charlotte doesn't qualify as legitimate, well, maybe he should ask or tell half of the people who live in Mecklenburg that their votes shouldn't count any longer. And quite frankly, if there's any question as to whether I'm going to be voting in this election in Mecklenburg, I will see everybody at the polls. Well, it's also an, a, an interesting argument from the party that uh, wants every college kid to vote at the campus they attend rather than where they're from. Right. Like that's that's the reason why they keep fighting all of the, the voter ID stuff is because they want college kids to be able to vote in the college towns, not in the cities from whence they came. You know, look, Jeff Jackson is a, is and has been a, a PR stuntman since he first walked into the state Senate in Raleigh. And this is just another example of performative politics. Yeah. Nothing more. Uh, Pat Harrigan is his name. The website harrigan4congress.com. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for your service as well. Welcome home and uh, good luck on the campaign trail. Thanks for having me, Pete. Truly appreciate it. This song will still get it. will get that other song out of my head. I've been singing it all day. Now I can't see. I'm, I'm singing this song over trying to catch sunflower now. Have you ever seen the old black and white movie? I think it, I forget what it was called. What was the name of the movie with uh, it was Yankee Doodle Dandy? That, that guy. Uh, and he sang a song H A R R I G A N spells Harrigan. It's a name that shame has never been connected to. Harrigan, that's who. Yeah. yeah. Broadway show. And I watched it, like, I think once as a kid. And for some reason, that's the, that's the line of a song. I don't know any other line, uh, any other lyrics to the song. But I just can't get it out of my head. Every As soon as I think of it, it's there. And I can never get rid of it. So uh, now you have it. You're welcome. I just, I spread it. Is that the, th- is that... How you get rid of, what do they call them, the earworms? Is that what they call them? Uh, is that how you get rid of it? You just give it to someone else? You just spread it, and then, here, you take this from me. Uh, no, so again, thanks to Pat Harrigan for uh, uh, joining me on the program. He's running for Congress here in the Mecklenburg-Gaston County District, that newly formed 14th, uh, the fight in 14th. And um, he's up against Jeff Jackson, um, and uh, it is uh, perceived to be a safer seat for the Democrat to win. Uh, but um, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And would very much like to see Jeff Jackson uh, retired, uh, especially not going to D.C., but I would like to see him retired. It would be nice. Um, Democratic congressional nominee Jeff Jackson, who his colleagues call Baby Jesus uh, behind his back, Um asked the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections to investigate whether his Republican, Pat Harrigan, is fraudulently registered to vote in Mecklenburg County. Jackson and Harrigan are competing for the 14th Congressional District, includes Uptown Charlotte, Southern and Western Mecklenburg County, and much of Gaston County, including Gastonia. And uh, that's how I say that, too. As of now, Gastonia. In a letter to the Mecklenburg Board of Elections, Jackson claimed that Harrigan registered to vote in Mecklenburg County and voted twice, despite it not being his permanent residence. See, here's the problem. 
for Democrats. Whenever you try to make these types of arguments, there's a record of you arguing the opposite. And the problem is when it comes to North Carolina law is that, first off, you don't have to live in a congressional district to run for that district. You know that? Now, once if you win the seat, then you move into the district, but you don't have to live there to run for it. You don't have to live, I believe, you don't even have to live in a state to run for U.S. Senate, if I remember correctly. Uh, but it's generally, it's a good idea to do so because it opens you up to this attack that you don't live here. You don't live in the district, right? And sometimes that's a potent attack. I don't know if it is as potent now as it used to be. Um, I'm not sure it's a potent attack in a city or a district that has a city like Charlotte in it. It's probably a more potent kind of attack in western North Carolina, like in the mountains, where you ain't from around here, you know, where that is a little bit more of a prevalent uh, uh, mentality, more of a potent attack out there. So I'm not sure that that uh, I'm not sure that that's going to matter a whole lot. But he, he doesn't even need to live in the 14th to run for the 14th, first of all. Second of all. When it comes to uh, defining what your permanent residence is, you know what the law says on this? It's it's like the the place to which you intend to return. This is what they uh, were run, uh, were uh, uh, railing ag- uh, uh, against Mark Meadows over, right? The oh, he got this cabin up in the mountains, and look at this shack, and he's he doesn't live there, and you're going to tell me he intends to return to this place? This doesn't look like a A house fit for a chief of staff? Whatever. So it's the place you intend to return, which is the argument that they use in order to let the college kids vote in the college towns. That's why college towns tend to skew blue, right? They tend to be on the left. They tend to vote for more Democrats than Republicans because you got all of the young kids there. Why do they do voter registration drives on campus, right? They, Yeah, because you get to influence that local jurisdiction. There are a lot of Republicans that don't like that. In fact, uh, back in, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, gosh, it would have been sometime around... Maybe 16 or maybe it was maybe it was 12, maybe in 2014. I forget the exact year, but it was somewhere around there. And there was um, it was after the redistricting was done uh, in 2010. And there uh, there were lines that were drawn by the state that influenced not just the state legislative races, but the county commission races in Buncombe County, because one of the colleges got split right in the middle. I believe it was UNC Asheville. They they split the campus and portioned the college kids out into two different districts. This was at a state level, but the county commission districts also were the exact same. So uh, because they 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 uh, they implemented district elections, the state came in and said, you're going to have district elections. Um, and then they, they said, your districts are going to look like the, the state districts. So they drew the lines and they split the campus and the left went nuts because it impacted their ability to win the state legislative seats. So they were complaining that that they that the, the college kids were being disenfranchised. But at the core of that argument rests the assumption that the republic or that the students had the right to vote in that place even though they don't intend to stay there permanently. They're living in in a dorm, right? It literally 
it literally split the campus and, and, and portioned out the dorms. So is that their, is that the place they intend to return? What, at the end of the spring break? At the end of the, the summer break? When? Christmas break? After the first year? After the second year? After the third year? They don't intend to return to that same room. They move them all around. But this has been the argument that Democrats have made because it was to their political advantage. Now they will make another argument because it's to their political advantage. James Cagney, thank you. James Cagney, Joan Leslie, from the movie Yankee Doodle Dandy. Stuck in my head. And so I had to go find it. That's what I just did. I had to go find the song. Because that's the kind of person I am. I mean, I tell you about the song and like how it's stuck in my head, so I'm a giver. We should all know this song. Is the man who will spend or will even lend? Harrigan! That's me. Mm-hmm. Who is your friend when you find that you need a friend? Harrigan! That's me. There you go. I am just as proud of me name, you see, as an emperor, czar, or king could be. Who is the man who helps a man every time he can? Harrigan! That's me. H. A. W-R-I. G-A-N spells Harrigan. <laughs> Proud of all the Irish blood that's in me. Uh oh. Give a man can say a word again me. Uh oh. It's fighting words. G-A-N-U-C is a name that a shame never has been connected with. Harrigan. That's me. There you go. That's it. That's the song. Now it's in your head too. And you know what? If it helps uh, you remember a candidate's name, so be it. All right. So I got this mailer. Uh, I, we, I talked about this uh, last night on the uh, on the live stream. I was on the, the Talktoberfest live stream with Vince Coakley, which it, that you may sound uh, or you may hear like my voice sounds a little off, and I, I feel like I'm running in like third gear because uh, I was like I was drinking coffee, but the thing was at eight o'clock, and I always forget. Probably not a good idea to drink the coffee at eight o'clock. And then we went late. I mean, we went to like nine thirty. So I, yeah, it was a very late night, and uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in third gear today. But I mentioned this, and I showed this on the live stream last night, which was this big old mailer that came to the house. Um, although it is addressed to Christy, not me. I don't know why Jeff Jackson doesn't send me mailers. It's weird. Uh, I mean, I'm unaffiliated too. I even voted in the Democratic primary last time around, but for some reason, I don't get the Democrat Party. Mailers, Christy does. I wonder why they're targeting a person in the household of the female persuasion with these pro-choice flyers. Not me. I went, oh my God, this is printed with soy ink. Are you kidding me? I just saw this. It's really small, but it's, that's exactly what it says. Oh my gosh, it says printed with soy ink. And then there's a picture of a windmill. What does that mean? What is the factory powered by wind or something? The printing press powered by wind. Oh, apparently they're killing a whole bunch of gold e- uh, golden eagles. It's like a protected species out west. Just saw a story this morning. It's like a massacre. Uh, it's like a, it's like depleting the entire uh, protected species of golden eagles out west. Um, anyway, 
Printed with, I've never heard of such a thing. Soy ink. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I do wonder why are they, first off, why are they assuming uh, Christie's gender? What's up with that? Why would they just target her with these mailings and not me? If they're doing it because she's unaffiliated, I'm unaffiliated, and so why wouldn't we both get the mailer? But only she's getting the mailer. She's only getting the mailer. Hmm. Is it because they made some sort of a determination based on her name or her voter record that has her her sex listed? Is that the idea? You don't know that that's true, Democrat Party. You don't know that's true. Just because it's on a government file, what have you guys been telling us for the last few years now? Come on. Live by your own standards. Live by the rhetoric that you deploy. Okay, so here is the... Uh, Here's the mailer. It says this November, your tra- this thing is like an eight and a half by eleven, like notebook size paper, right? And then it folds open, so it's like four sides, and it's almost a bit as big as a poster, folded in half. It says this November, your choice for Congress is even more important. And the word choice is like huge, huge on the top, and it's in purple or pink, I guess it's pink. And then it's got a picture of baby Jesus sitting with three women, um. And then there's another picture of him with his arms around uh, two other women at what appears to be some sort of a protest march. And it says, Jeff Jackson is the only, and it's underlined, pro-choice candidate for Congress. And every word is uh, capitalized for some reason. Um, the choice, oh, again, there it is, uh, everything capitalized again. Uh, the choice for Congress in their own words. And then it's got Jeff Jackson. Here he is uh, sitting, uh, talking with a bunch of uh, other women. And this is his, that's interesting. This is his thing, isn't it? The blue jeans and the blue button-down shirt, like the old 1950s prison movie outfit, right? And that that's what that Cool Hand Luke outfit, right? Yeah, the blue, yeah, the blue button-down. The Andy Dufresne, 8 Mile, or uh, 8 Mile, not 8 Mile. The Green Mile. The Long Mile? The long, Shawshank Redemption. That was it. I knew I, I knew I would get there. See, that's what I mean. I'm in third gear. My brain's running in third gear. It's not, it's not, not all the way up. And there's only four. There's only four gears for me. Um, let me see here. Yeah, blue shirt, jeans, blue shirt, jeans, blue shirt, jeans. Yeah, that's definitely his outfit. Uh, that's his uh, uniform. And so he's got this big endorsement. He's touting. He's endorsed by Planned Parenthood Action Fund. And then here's my opponent, Harrigan. That's who. And Harrigan is endorsed by Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, which is, I guess, bad. I don't know. The word pro-life carries with it, I don't know, more of a positive vibe. When I just look, just looking at the logos, it carries just a more positive vibe. Even has a picture of a woman in the logo. I mean, if she identifies as a woman. I don't want to assume pronouns there. Oh, and then they, uh, they, they call him State Senator Jeff Jackson and his opponent, Anti-choice says assault weapons manufacturer Pat Harrigan. <laughs> assault weapons manufacturer. Okay, uh, so the reason I bring this flyer up is because there's an interesting a couple stories there. They're they're uh, percolating out there in the news, uh, which is there may be some doubts on the left about going all in on the abortion topic. They're worried that they may be overdoing it a bit. (laughs) 
So we'll get to that. Alrighty, so John McCormick, a.k.a. Baseball Crank on Twitter. John McCormick, he's a writer, got a piece at National Review titled Democrats Worry They're Overdoing It on Abortion. No, I mean, not like that, right? Because you can never have too many abortions for Democrats. Am I right? Like that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just a joke. Lighten up. All right, so uh, he, t- he quotes... Uh, Alexis McGill Johnson, who is the Planned Parenthood president, uh, who made an appearance at uh, the Wisconsin Democratic Senate candidate Mandela Barnes's rally the other day. And he points out that this rally was held at a high school in a working class, predominantly African-American neighborhood. And it was sparsely attended. That means not very well attended, right? Sparsely. Or no. Is that the. Is that the garnish? Yeah, oh, that's parsley. Really, guys? Really? <laughs> they, I got two producers in here, and they both are like, no, that's parsley. Like that. Okay, thanks. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> All right, so the rally held at the high school did not have a lot of people at it. And the issue of abortion energizes both Democrat donors and activists, but crime and inflation are obviously much more important for voters in this neighborhood and in Milwaukee in general. Two acute problems for Barnes become apparent. Uh, The first is that his own position on abortion is so extreme that it will make it difficult for him to make any gains against his opponent, the incumbent Republican Ron Johnson. Right. He's he's not in support of anything that, you know, gets in the way of a woman's right to choose anything. No restrictions. So that's the first problem. And because that, that that is an extreme position and it doesn't leave him any ability to get to people in the middle, because if someone's in the middle and all you're offering is, you know, limitless abortions all the way to the point of, you know, uh, a partial birth. Well, that's not that's not a majority view. You're not going to be able to get a lot of, uh, of fans for that. First problem. Second problem for Barnes is that the stakes he described in, in his speech, they don't seem very high for people in Wisconsin. Because in Wisconsin, it's like 97% of the counties don't even have a clinic. The, most of the abortion clinics are in like two cities. That's it. So Milwaukee, Madison, right? Illinois that has a you know very expansive permissive abortion regime. And so... People go over to Illinois all the time. So it, the, the threat, the, the fear, the stoking of this fear, it doesn't, it, it doesn't land. It doesn't move people. It's not persuasive. It's, it's not as persuasive as, as the things that are impacting people on a daily basis, which is inflation, the economy, crime, price of gas. These are the things that are directly impacting people. Now some prominent Democrats are starting to wonder uh, maybe we're putting too much money on abortion. Well, I mean, not like not funding it. And I'm not saying that like like gambling wise. Right. Maybe maybe we're betting too much on abortion to save uh, some of our seats here in the midterms. One of these is uh, noted right winger James Carville, Democratic strategist James Carville. 
big time supporter uh, of the uh, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, uh, her campaign in Nevada. Big time supporter. Is there like robo calls for her, uh, fundraising for her? So he's he's on her side. But he says a lot of these consultants think that if all we do is run abortion spots, that's going to win for us. He says, I don't think so. Um, he says, it is a good issue, but if you just sit there and they're pummeling you on crime and pummeling you on the cost of living, you got to be more aggressive than just yelling abortion every other word. <laughs> right? Which, I'm not sure, James Carville, have you met any Democrats recently? That's kind of what they do. Um, no, it's, it reminds me of the... Uh, that old Family Guy episode where Lois is running for, like, town council of Quahog or whatever their town is. And uh, she notices that if you when she says 9-11 in one of her speeches and everybody starts cheering for the line. And then as she keeps doing more speeches, she realizes that if she just keeps working 9-11 into the speech, she gets all of these rounds of applause and so then, so she keeps working it in more and more and more, and she keeps cutting all of the other words out. And eventually, all she does is get on stage and just say nine eleven, and everybody goes crazy. And then she wins or something, right? Like that's the that's that's what it seems like. A lot of Democrats feel like with abortion that if they just say this word, it's like an again, it's like the science and data. It's like an incantation. If we just chant it, if we just say it, we win. It's like say abortion, something else happens, and then victory. Like that's our that's our plan. Step one, say abortion a lot. Step two, something. Step three, we win. And it's not just Clintonian strategists who are worried. The socialist wing of the Democratic Party is concerned as well, says John McCormick. In an op-ed that Bernie Sanders just published uh, a couple days ago, the headline being Democrats should not focus only on abortion in the midterms. He says it's a mistake to only focus on abortion. He says we need to, you know, I mean, yes, cut those ads, but we need to hammer away on economic issues too, minimum wage, taxing billionaires. The problem with this is that every minute Democrats spend talking about the economy is a minute that they're reminding voters that it's their economy, right? (laughs) They're the reason why this is so bad. And, and they are the reason this is so bad. We'll get into more of that up next. 